From Hong Kong, this is Mea Kulpa, the lessons learned from Startups podcast, based on the Postmortem Conference, where founders, investors, lawyers, and mentors share their stories about working on, with, or for startups. I'm Jeffrey Brewer, and today we talk to Ashok Jezal, founder and CMO at Lekker Labs. Before that, Ashok was the founder of EasyCube and was a senior technical analyst at Goldman Sachs. Welcome. Thank you, Jeffrey. Thank you for having me here. Um, how did you make your way into startups? Because you were working at Goldman, right? Goldman was actually my only corporate job. <laughs> I've always been working for startups. In fact, my first startup was my own when I was 19 years old. And before that, I used to do random things while in school, selling t-shirts and things like that. I would basically arbitrage. Uh, I grew up in India, so uh, it was a very different time in India back then. We're talking about 1980s, before liberalization in India. It was a poor country, much poorer than what it is today. So a lot of things used to happen. So I used to make money here, there, whatever, whatever. But officially, I had my first startup right out of uh, my high school. Uh, it was an internet startup. I made about uh, 60 different websites. And we used to make uh, multimedia presentations on CD-ROMs with Macromedia. I don't know if you know the software called Macromedia. Yes. So we used to use that to uh, make presentations and, and things like that. So nothing new, but Goldman was my first job right off my business school. And so it was a good experience and it gave me the financial uh, support that I needed after all that startup and an MBA. <laughs> you run out of all the money you ever had. That was a that was a good break to have, but then I moved back to what I like to do is to do startup again. What well, had you made the decision to like quit Goldman Sachs and then do the startup that you did EasyCube, right? Yes. Can you like tell a little bit about like the decision that you make and and, and what EasyCube is? You know, uh, I I believe in spiritual living and things happen for a reason. And sometimes it's not like a person chooses a startups. Startups chooses person. So it was not me who wanted to go to startup. I wanted to go take a break and do a nice corporate job for a while, stabilize my life. I was getting married and, and things like that. But it so happened that the need arises and then I had to build that product. Uh, so I had a daughter, uh, a newborn daughter, and uh, we were taking a lot of photos and I was trying to manage that. It was a nightmare for me. So I ended up building a home solution for managing those photos and stuff. I, I hacked a open source software, put it up together, and I was managing all that using that. So, and then it worked out such that uh, it ended up being on a crowdfunding and it got funded. And then, then I quit Goldman Sachs and I just continued building that company. So that's how EasyCube happened. So basically it's a kind of like an Apple TV box, but then with like storage for that's photos it. and, and it came out of your yeah, own personal need to yeah, share those pictures. Yes, that's correct. Did you have any like IoT hardware experience before that? None. And that had me suffer a little bit. <laughs> Actually, a little bit is understatement. <laughs> okay. How did you get started? How did you get about if you have no experience in that? I actually took a Mac Mini. And I built what I wanted to build. I wanted a system that just consolidate the media and plays it on TV. So my wife and my mother-in-law can watch it. And I built a few of them. And it worked out pretty well. But then now that I had to sort of uh, expand it to a, a consumer level, 
then I went around and looked for one and I found an uh, electronics guy who built me the PCB. Then I found this people. So, so it's basically, I went to the PCB guy. I said, okay, I need a computer which does this. He gave me PCB. I said, okay, what about the housing? Like, I don't know. Then I Google how to make a housing. So they say that, okay, you have to have industrial uh, designer who will design something. So find an industrial designer. An industrial designer designed something, then uh, it doesn't fit. The, then it says that you need to find an industrial engineer. So I find an industrial engineer. And so I went around uh, how the problems came or the solution needed. I looked for it and tried to go. So this is how I did it. How, how long did that process take? It took three years from idea to shipping. Three, three and a half years. And you said you did crowdsourcing. How many did you sell on, on crowdsource? So we had an Indiegogo campaign. I think we had 2,000 pre-orders that we shipped. You had 2,000 orders and you also shipped 2,000? Yes. Okay. And like like everybody was happy? No. What what was the learning there? So uh, I, I wonder how many uh, first-time hardware startup will give... Because... See, the people are, I would say, the standard of uh, a product has uh, significantly raised by companies like Apple, right? Now, when uh, when a consumer receives a product, it expects the quality that Apple has been delivering. And it's very difficult, almost impossible for a startup with own funded money or crowdfunding uh, can deliver a product of that quality. And uh, and moreover, people think that, oh, it's crowdfunded means things are going to work out pretty well. But uh, those who crowdfund, they know that if all the money that you raise from crowdfunding is actually spent before it comes to you. <laughs> so people weren't uh, very happy about it, but people come on crowdfunding not to uh, look for perfect product, but to look for novel things and something that is solving their problem. So, so it was okay. And we were working on the next version and before uh, we sold the company. And uh, I moved on from there. You, you sold the company. Uh, is the company still in, in business? or I don't know. I haven't seen any new version coming out. So probably they are not in business anymore. So I, was, I sold all my shares and everything was uh, done with. Can you tell a little bit like what you learned building that, like selling yeah, your yeah, basically your first company? So my learning from that was uh, choose your investors wisely. <laughs> So uh, we ended up in a in a very bad loop where one of our investor uh, and who was not even a major investor, a very small investor, one of the smallest investors in the company ended up uh, 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 poisoning the whole uh, uh, company and uh, all the shareholders. And then he ended up uh, uh, swallowing the whole company for a very uh, cheap uh, cost. And I think... It was his intention from day one, probably. I couldn't read it well. And uh, and it was my first time experience of raising funds from outside. And I did not understand the documentations properly and, and accounting and, and management and things like that. So so he ended up taking over the company. I got what I needed, uh, whatever little that I, I could take out from that and uh, just uh, get out happy. Personally, like, how did it make you feel? Like, I, I, I can imagine that, that miserable was, is the word. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Like, I, I can imagine that that was not a, a happy time for you. It was definitely not. My wife was very sick. I mean, literally, she was about to die. I was in San Francisco doing a, a, a accelerator there and trying to 
scale up the sales of the EQ when I heard from my wife she was critically ill and I had to come back and and at that point uh, this investor also started doing uh, his uh, I don't know schemes I guess and then it was very bad time in life it's the it's the it teaches you <laughs> it teaches you that uh, what's the lowest <laughs> you can see in life yeah okay that chapter is over that chapter is over um what did you do in the, like the one two months after that so i uh, because my wife was so sick so i was with her all couple of uh, two three months and uh, those three months uh, kind of made me uh, reflect upon life and uh, the how how fragile life can be because my wife came so close to dying that it gave me a perspective that i probably should only do what i think is important for me and not just uh, do random stuff and so so uh, i realigned my whole thinking in how and what i'm going to do and how i'm going to live and I'm, that's what I've been pursuing now. Okay, so tell me a little bit about your current project. So the current project came about again from a personal need. Uh, uh, my daughter likes to eat yogurt and I was I, I grew up eating yogurt. So I wanted to make uh, good yogurt for her. But it's, it's very difficult to make good consistent yogurt on a daily basis. So, so I hacked together a machine. I, there was no way I was going to do another hardware startup and and in fact no startup at all for a while i wanted to relax and so i i hacked together a machine uh, a, a lab stirrer actually uh, a heating lab stirrer which i hacked uh, with a raspberry pi to to uh, just make yogurt for me and my my kid and my family but then a friend of mine uh, came home and he ate the yogurt and he was like this is very nice yogurt and i was like yeah i, I make them so he's like, wow, how do you make yogurt? He, he didn't know that yogurt can be made at home because most people don't know. And I showed him what I'd done. He's like, hey, this is a good concept. You should uh, you should try to commercialize this. And I uh, was like, yeah, I'm, I'm not interested right now. But he ended up showing to a couple of people and then we got into an accelerator and things like that. So, so the company got launched and then we found some investors. We got some money. And then again, we went down the crowdfunding route. Uh, uh, but in the hindsight, uh, probably uh, every project is not meant for uh, crowdfunding. And this wasn't meant for crowdfunding, but we still ended up uh, going that route uh, because of the consensus in the team. Yeah, so that was three years ago. And now we are in production. Indeed, like crowdfunding. I ordered one from you like two years ago now. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm, I'm still waiting. Oh, yeah, I'm so am I. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, okay, okay. Like... I, I do have uh, about 10 uh, fully pre-production prototypes, mm -hmm. but uh, production is happening right now. And Chinese New Year has given it a little break, but we still will be shipping in uh, uh, after Chinese New Year. Okay, so... so... Uh, within basically two months from this recording, you will be uh, you will be shipping. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Um, beside of the orders that you already have, how are you planning to do other sales channels as soon as you have production lined up? So we are getting a very good uh, uh, corporate traction from uh, different big companies because uh, interestingly, I come from a high tech background, and this is not a really high tech product. But in this category, this apparently is a very high-tech product. And so we're getting a lot of traction from the companies who are in this category, which is kitchen appliances and, and home appliances. 
So our strategy is to uh, do a co-branding or a licensing deals. And we're going to focus on that for the first two, three years. And because uh, we have very good partners uh, lined up right now. And then uh, we have a few more projects in progress, which we might do a consumer version. And it may not be hardware necessarily, but it will be related to yogurt. Okay. Combining these two projects, what is the biggest thing you're doing differently now than you did with uh, EasyCube? So I think uh, uh, I underestimated the uh, mechanical engineering aspects of a project. I built a very simple hardware before. I mean, it was a very complicated hardware, but it was mostly a software-based thing. There was not so much hardware apart from the PCBA. The housing was simple and things like that. So I thought, how difficult would it be to make a yogurt machine, right? But turned out not so easy if you do not know or you are not a mechanical engineer yourself. When I was doing it, I was getting good traction. Like I said, we, we were in, in a very good accelerator in New York and we got little funding very early on. And uh, I think with all good intentions, some of the engineers tried to help me, but they also underestimated the whole thing that how complex this project is. So it, it uh, so far we have gone uh, through six uh, design rounds of one appliance and about 30 50 prototypes and we have spent almost a million US dollars already okay so it took time and it took challenges but I don't really hear yet like immense struggles uh, like you say many iterations anything that you say like hey like we actually planned that to be like one month and it took us like 12 months yeah I mean from my previous startup, I learned that what was the delay? Delay was in mechanical and production, right? So, okay, I said, okay, fine. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it with somebody who knows uh, production and mechanical and all that. So, I had somebody on board. However, the person was on board uh, couldn't pay enough attention to this project because he had a company of its own, a hardware company of his own. But then I got uh, a support from somebody else who's been doing a lot of hardware product before. But uh, that person also underestimated the whole thing because everybody who I got engaged, see, I'm a software engineer. You come to me and you tell me I need to build this software. If I tell you and you are not a software engineer yourself and you said, okay, it'll take you six months, then you would say, fine, it is six months. It is, right? Because you don't know. I'm the expert. I'll tell you what and you will believe that, right? I believed what the experts told me. Uh, they turned out to be wrong. And I wouldn't say that it was all their faults. Also, it, somewhere it was my fault too, that uh, I believed them a little too much. I should have done my own, perhaps uh, take multiple opinion from different people. But I can tell you that we tried to hire the top-notch people. We paid the top-notch dollar. Whatever that we could, we did. But it just kept coming back wrong. In all that time, I learned enough uh, of uh, the the engineering that I knew exactly what I want. And I went to engineering team. I said, see, don't do anything. This is what I want. Just do this. Turn into a 3D model. And ended up that way I got to where I was. So if looking at hindsight, if I knew how to 3D model things, I could have actually done it myself much better but ended up that uh, if when I told people exactly this is what I want and somebody who had little knowledge about, okay, this is how the 
production work this is how the assembly works and things like that things could have been uh, much easier but finally it came out exactly how i wanted this product to look like when i left it to experts they actually just went in different directions and and just uh, uh, went wrong so end of the day i will advise to a founder that because a founder lives the project day and night if there is a thing that need to be thought about this project he probably already thought about it and he is the perfect person to execute that and and probably one of the reasons why many startups die when they get acquired by somebody else because the main brain behind the project goes away lots of lessons learned when it comes to uh, building a hardware startup how did you manage to go build a team like what was your criteria especially in the beginning not that critical about uh See, beggars are not loser man <laughs> <laughs> anybody says hey i want to work for you for oh, fantastic come and do so so now uh, i i did try to choose uh, first a few people couple of people but when it didn't work out and i decided that okay i'll hold off the senior management hire for a while and i'm not hiring senior management for a while for now and until the company grows and that is why i'm changing the company business model also and that is not to say that the people's problem is a little bit of my own problem that i i have to learn to communicate my vision and my dream properly and get people aligned better and that requires patience which i which i'm learning <laughs> so when people come on people those who came on board as a senior people they they had their own idea of dreams and and they did not align with mine and 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 did not try to understand because everybody is in a rush right and they didn't understand the whole company or the whole project or or look at it from this i mean perhaps i could explain it in the sense that they only looked at one dimension of the company but i was looking multiple dimensions of the company and then if they are trying to make a decision into the dimension that they only focusing on and ignoring the rest of the dimensions then things starts to fall apart so in any company there are multiple things you have to take care of the finances the production the timeline the the investor the customer the marketing the sales all of that has to come together then only company can grow and all of that is thought by one person which was me and if i and i couldn't find anybody who can take care of all of that i could only find people to work in the silos but they couldn't understand the impact of their decision on the other parts of the things or i must not say it's their fault mine also that i was not uh, patient enough to make them explain that how would that impact rest of the things in the company just to be clear you're a single founder right you have no yes. co-founders yes okay. i did have but i had to let them go okay and i also know that your title is cmo and not ceo like uh, yeah <laughs> if a single single founder then i am everything right uh, all the c's in me <laughs> correct but like 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 you call yourself cmo and not ceo like what's the fault behind that now i say more founder ceo and back then i think it's a old uh, uh title when i had other people helping me out and i was handling more of the marketing part of it because that time marketing was very important and it so happened that i marketed it so well that uh, the other parts of the company were left behind <laughs> so i have to shift gear and come to this side so at at one point we won so many awards and we we were in so many uh, uh publications and the blogs and and a good traction and so because i 
when I'm doing marketing, I'm just so in it and then I'm doing everything and then it goes well. So I'm giving myself a little credit here. I was good at it. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, like I said, a founder lives the dream and, and the product breathes it. And then wherever whatever he has to do, he will do. Same goes to funding. And uh, I, I had people come in to help me raise funds and not even one person could raise a penny. I mean, I mean they raised like thousand dollars. But uh, then I would go out and I would quickly raise money and not saying that I'm really good at it. It's just that I speak the passion of the company and the project and people believe it. So, so that, that only founder can do. Okay. And um, <laughs> uh, talking about that, like uh, you're, you're um, doing this as a single founder. You're, you're, you're very passionate. Um, uh, I have no choice. <laughs> you're passionate because you have no choice. Um, I would say I'm more patient now than passionate. Okay. Yes. So, and, and I don't think passion alone can carry you along this far, this long. It's a very frustrating journey because mm-hmm. uh, as as a as a founder, you only hear complaints from everybody. Mm-hmm. You don't hear praise almost never. Yeah, like like <laughs> like, like the buck stops with you, right? Like right. Like, like like there's nobody above you, so yeah. You're, you're, you're the person to yes, handle. All this. should come down on you. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, so uh, passion alone will not uh, able to stand this much. You have mm-hmm. to build a character and a strength, an mm-hmm. inner strength to to stand all this. Because you'll get shit from family, you'll shit get from friends and the employees, the investors, the customers, the government, the the authorities. Everybody is just you know nobody is trying to. I mean, everybody is trying to help, but it, it's very hard to everything get aligned and you receive that help. And uh, if you look at today, uh, current situation, like what is your biggest struggle? What's your biggest obstacle that you have right now? Right now, uh, uh, Touchwood, luckily things are uh, on good track. And if everything follows as the plan, then things will be okay. And with all that training as a single founder that I've I've seen worse, so I I don't uh, panic as much. So... From where I see, things looking pretty good. But if somebody else sees from where I see, he probably will panic. I don't know. So it all depends on the mindset, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and you need to have a very positive mind. Sometimes, and, and you have to be positive if you are a founder. There is no other way to deal with it. If I was critical about this, our current strategy is a good strategy. We are on the right track. And if we continue to execute in this track, we are on the right path. Okay. Did you ever get like general advice that you hear more often that you think at that point should not be given or like is totally not applicable to startups? No, I did get a lot of advice and I should have listened to some and I should have ignored some. But technically, I was in this project was not very lucky. I got very unlucky technically and especially in terms of mechanical uh, because this product has a lot of mechanical moving parts. I wish I could, uh, I, I had uh, run into somebody who was good mechanically. This would have been piece of cake. And it wasn't a, a difficult project per se. And it so ended up that after I trusted everybody and then everybody just delivered something which couldn't be made. And I ended up, okay, well, I will just do something myself. And when I did it, it did work. So uh, it's very hard to say which advice to listen, which advice not to listen. It just comes... Uh, uh, inside because it's contextual also right how can i say that you cannot listen to experts how else can you do things Mm -hmm. 
but if experts also wrong then uh, it's, it's, a, it's a problem and if you're doing a startup means you're creating something new that never been created before so you go to expert you you take their opinion and you you try to do that if it doesn't work it's not entirely their fault also because it's never been done before right mm-hmm. so i can't tell so it's like more like art i would say than than science right you know you 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 kind of feel little bit you learn little bit and you try to put it together and see what comes out so at least in my experience has been in this company yeah in the last companies were different case and like if you look at it like from a outsider perspective if you can the people who said you're crazy doing this do you agree with them or do you say like this is something that i really have to do and that this is something that everybody has to go through in order to get here crazy doing this as an as a company or as a product itself both as, as a company and as a product well see if you are going in to uh, start a company you have 98 to 2 odds right there is only 2% chance you will succeed so that's that's statistics right there so you go in startup you're crazy to start with right you should a rational person shouldn't do it actually <laughs> but uh, like i said sometimes you don't choose your work your work chooses you right otherwise why do you think after so much hardship people keep doing it generation after generation and we have come to this point otherwise there will be no evolution in in this uh, in this world right so it comes to people who have to do it they have to do it so once this work has chosen you then when it comes to this product everybody who heard about it they thought it was an excellent idea and it is a great idea and uh, execution has taken a little longer than expected but uh, uh, it's on it's all, it's all good so yeah you got to be crazy and that's why you're doing it and and then you got to pick a reasonable project and try to make a, you know a reasonable success it's good to dream big but uh, just don't fall for that uh, so early on and and that should not be uh, the only goal in life that i just want to make billions of dollars that that's wrong goal to, in my opinion is a wrong goal to follow i have come to after all this hardship to learn that i need to be professional with what i'm doing and very honest about it that uh, this is my job this is my work this is my duty there is no word in english for what i want to describe there is a word in hindi called dharma and uh, if one can uh, uh, understand that word so so this is my dharma i need to do this and mm-hmm. so i'm doing it and there is no other way okay okay um if you look at like the current uh, startup ecosystem like worldwide not uh, not even uh, for here where we are right now in in hong kong but like like worldwide if you had a magic wand what would you change everything goes what would in your opinion be way more better for i don't know investors or way more better for founders or way more better for people who are building products you know most people will say perhaps the money right i don't think that would solve all the problems because uh, otherwise why do big companies new products fail also so but then again there is no single answer to something like this because every every company and every product every founder need different kind of help right for example there perhaps could be something called center of excellence uh, created by different governments and i don't know if government can execute something like that because wherever government goes things start to fall apart very quickly right <laughs> but uh, it would be great if uh, there were places where founder can turn up to for certain kind of help and which is available now but at a cost for example 
you can hire you can outsource the complete legal part you can outsource the complete uh, engineering part or marketing part and things like that but uh, all these people who take up your project are vendors so you know the the execution and the quality will suffer and so it's a very broad question i don't know what would that be i don't think uh, there are shortcuts in something like this if if you are uh, chosen by the the universe to do something like this then this is your journey man you got to go through this shit there is no there is no other way i guess but the thing is that it doesn't have to be so hard one can scale down uh, because end of the day everybody has to make a living right you can scale down your your vision and your version and look at your requirement and just go about doing that is also not a bad idea so the magic wand i don't know what to say okay 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 um if there's one thing you want the listeners to take away from your like the, your story your experience what, what what would it be like what would that one thing be i have learned the hard way but when you become a founder the pressure is so much that everybody becomes uh, very uh, sometimes can be very destructive or at least very stressful for the founder right every everybody should try to find a way of uh, de-stressing themselves and uh, many a times not only in the startup ecosystem but i see everywhere people are so just the work oriented that their whole life become work not the greatest idea and uh, one should explore uh, a bigger goal in life along with that because i think i i am a very strong believer now that the life has multiple meanings and it can it should not be one dimensional and and the success of your company cannot define you or should not be the ultimate goal of life and you should add another bigger goal than the success of your company a material success in your life and should pursue that and 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 should self uh, set a deadline for yourself that okay i'm going to do this for these many years and after that i'm going to do something else which many people end up doing anyway once you become successful whatever you define your success in you go do something else so perhaps it's not a bad at least i am doing that that uh, I am I am preparing myself for my next life as in not after I die and then born again but even in this life what do I do after 20 years and I shouldn't be doing continuing doing this for you know rest of my life so so you find a bigger goal and try to you know you don't have to know it that what exactly is going to be but you should get a feeling of it and try to go beyond what exactly you're doing so that will de-stress uh, a founder out and will give you uh, a bigger picture in life and and would not create so much pressure that it's okay if it fails in this thing but you have a bigger goal to pursue anywhere okay. um thank you very much for the sharing i want to thank you for your uh, valuable insight and uh, sharings of your lessons learned in the startups for the listeners although the rating system in podcast is hideous if you like this mea culpa series you can rate this podcast with five stars as a motivation for the makers uh, this is jeffrey brewer and go out and build something meaningful